Christmas. How are we doing this afternoon? Everybody doing well? Good. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us on Christmas Eve and spending this time with us here at Thrive Church. And uh, I'm excited about uh, what God's going to do tonight in your hearts. Uh, you know, waiting for things is not something that I'm particularly good at. Is anybody else not good at waiting for stuff? Right? Like, that's why you love Amazon, it shows up so quick. Well, I'll never forget, I got in trouble with my wife on a date one time for that very reason. We were at Texas Day Brazil, which I just love the steak there, how they just cut that stuff off the side. I just, I, I'm a meat eater. I'm sorry if you're not. Um, I'm praying for you. And I just love that place. And we went on a great date, had some amazing steak, and then I made a big mistake. <sighs> one person got that. So um, at, afterwards, I, I went to the restroom, and when I got to the restroom, I didn't see my wife. And I didn't know that she had also went to the restroom as well. So I'm like, I thought she was at the car. And I waited for about 30 seconds. And I said, I don't see her. She's not at the table. And I went to the car and I sat there. My wife comes out of the restroom. Mind you, she saw me go in the restroom. She comes out and she doesn't see me. She thinks I'm still in there. So she's standing there and she's standing there. And she's, and she's very impatient as well. She's Colombian and Italian. So there's no patience at all there. Right? All fire. And, and so she's sitting there, and I get a text while I'm sitting in the car. She's like, where are you? I'm like, this is not good. I was like, I'm in the car. She's like, the car! And it's all caps. I knew I was in trouble. And so she, she's like, why didn't you just wait for me? I was like, I didn't know. I just, I, and so I got really big. The date didn't end well, right? The steak was the high part, and I, it just didn't go well after that because I had a lack of patience. And if you're honest this afternoon, you'd probably say that you lack patience as well. But one of the things that's needed, if you're going to see God's promises in your life come to pass, it's something called faith and patience. As we look at the nativity story, as we look at the birth of Christ, and we, we, we look at this one event, I want us to understand that it took years and years and years of waiting before this one event happened. And in the Gospel of Matthew, if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 1, verse 17. Matthew writes about the birth of Christ. Now, if you don't know about Matthew, it's important. Like, if you think the Bible's fairy tales and foolishness, it's actually eyewitness accounts from people who were with Jesus. And this guy, Matthew, was a tax collector. He worked for the Roman government, but he was a Jew. Here's what that means. Rome had rule over Jerusalem. Rome ruled the world in the first century, right? And he worked for the bad guys. Matthew did but he was a Jew. And they actually cheated people out of money. So he was hated by people. But Matthew met Jesus and began to follow Jesus and turned his whole life around. And you know, in the middle of his life, he wanted to get the word out about what happened and what he saw with Jesus. And so he writes this gospel. It's called the Gospel of Matthew. It's an eyewitness account. And what's interesting about Matthew's gospel, when you look at the Christmas story, the nativity story there, it's really Jewish. Because he's speaking to his fellow, you know, brothers and sisters that are Jewish in this book. He wants them to understand that Christ was the Jewish Messiah that they awaited for for so many years. And so when he writes the account of the birth of Christ, it's got a lot of Jewish undertones in it to try to reach them. Whereas Luke, if you read Luke's gospel, he was not Jewish at all. He was Gentile like you and I. His account's totally different. And so when Matthew writes here, he goes through, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read the first 16 verses to you because it's boring. It's like so-and-so was the son of so-and-so. You know the boring parts of the Bible that you really don't want to read? It's one of those things. But it's really important. Because what he does, he shows the lineage from Abraham all the way to Jesus. 
And here's what he writes in verse 17 from Abraham all the way to Jesus. He says, all of those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham, the father of all faith, right? Of monotheism. Abraham to David. 14 from David to the Babylonian exile. Don't miss that. Very important. And 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah, which is Jesus. He says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. The way that Matthew is describing this is going to connect right back to a book that was written 700 years earlier that kind of foretold all this happening in the book of Isaiah. It says this here, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Why would he do that? Because it was a Jewish betrothal, like engagement, like what we think. They had a whole year where they didn't test it out before they got married. They didn't test drive it. Some of you are like, <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> no, that, that's what they did. They stayed pure. And so imagine this, his fiance shows up and says, hey, I got some news. I'm pregnant. And then she's like, and it was God. Like, I, mean, I mean, really, this is so far-fetched. Right? He's like, this is crazy. And so his plan was so she wouldn't be stoned to death or be cast out of culture, was to do it quietly, to be, to be a good man of integrity. And so here's what it says. It says, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, because Joseph was a direct lineage from David, King David. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And watch this. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. This is Isaiah. Isaiah has over uh, 20 direct prophecies about Jesus' birth in there hundreds of years before, and he nails every one of them. And here's, because Matthew's trying to reach the Jews, right, who lived in the time of Isaiah. He said this, the, it says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So you have to realize as you read this, we, we celebrate this nativity scene, don't we? We celebrate the event of the birth of Christ, and I love it. It's a beautiful time of the year to reflect upon the power of what it means for God to become a person and dwell with us. But I think what happens and what we can lose as we look at this nativity scene and look at the birth of Christ, and it's such so miraculous and angels singing on high and all these things, we see the sensational, but I believe what we miss is this. We miss what Matthew wrote before all that, that there were 14 generations from Abraham all the way up to David, and then the Babylonian exile, and then to the Messiah. And in that, here's what he was saying. You're celebrating an event, but you have no idea how long it took. Yes, Jesus was born one holy night, but it didn't happen overnight. Jesus was born one holy. It didn't happen overnight. And I think in our culture, in our society, when we're waiting on the promises of God, we want it to happen quick. It's like, is there a faster way that God can get this thing done for me, right? 
And what I want to do this afternoon is draw a parallel for you and for Israel because they waited for decades and years, and some of them never saw the promise of God. But God was working the whole time in every one of those segments, those generations, those 14 generations. God was always working to get Messiah to Israel. And can I tell you that God is always working in your life? And every time you see a nativity scene, you should say, I may not see the event right now. I may not see the breakthrough I'm waiting on. I may not see the marriage restored. I may not see my child coming to Christ. But I've got to be patient because God will perform His promises, and He's always at work. And so here's what I want you to write down this evening as we talk about this. This is so important, and it's this. Don't confuse God's patience with passiveness when it comes to His promises. Don't confuse God's patience patience with passiveness. See, God is patient and long-suffering, right? But God isn't passive. Uh, Like, like you you know what passive is. You know when you ask, ask your teenager to take the trash out or do a chore? I'll get to it. One sec. Just a minute. And they're like delaying because they just don't really don't want to do it. And then an hour later, what's happening? What conversation are you having again? Hey, I love y'all students and teenagers here. I used to be a teenager too, and I did the same thing. And teenagers, one day you can be parents saying the same thing. It all comes around. But that's what being passive is. Being patient is a whole nother thing. Is when you are patient and you are waiting. And I believe some of you have been praying for some things. You're not here by accident. You're not online by accident if you're watching online. You've been praying for things, and you've been waiting, and you've been waiting, and you've been waiting. And sometimes in that waiting, we can give up hope. We can lose the the power to persevere in prayer, the power to continue to not not grow weary in well-doing. And I want to encourage you tonight that God is patient. God is not passive when it comes to His promises in your life. And here's what Matthew was saying as he led into the, the, the birth of Christ with those generations. He was saying this, and understand this, God's promises are a process. So we don't like that word, do we, right? God's promises are a process. I recently told my son about layaway. Did anybody do layaway in here, right? You remember layaway? Layaway was like torture because, you know, we went to Kmart. Uh, we didn't have a Walmart when I was, where I was growing up. We were, you know, we were in a small town. We went to Kmart, and uh, we had Kmart and Roses, right? And so we'd go to Kmart, and we would go get the toy. We had a 90-day layaway, and you had to start around August if you wanted to get that thing by Christmas. And so we would go in, and I would have to watch Mom give them money, and they kept it. I watched my Nintendo there, y'all, as a little kid. <laughs> Like, can we take it home yet? Nope, nope, we still got 175 more dollars to go, right? That's, layaway's a process. Amazon is now just, just gets here quick. And God's promises are a lot more like layaway. And I hate to tell you that here on Christmas Eve. I know that, that we want things to happen quick and God to come through, but they're a process that we have to learn to wait on in our lives. Matter of fact, you know, he, he mentioned there were 14 generations from Abraham all the way to David, and then David to the Babylonian exile. Why did he mention that? Why did Matthew mention that? Because the Babylonian exile was one of the darkest times in Israel's history. Uh, Israel was doing great for a season. They were doing wonderful, and they began to just disobey God and go their own way and do their own thing. And it got them in a lot of trouble. It got them in so much trouble that they then were taken over by the Babylonians. 
And the Babylonians were wicked, man. They were like, they were the most wicked people on planet Earth. If you can think of like the most wicked people right now on planet Earth, they were 10 times that. They would go into villages and they would take the, the men, bury them up to their necks in sand and cut their tongues out. And watch the women and children have to watch that happen to, to their fathers. And they would take the women and children with them. And they took over God's people. And they were in a dark, dark season. And, and, and there was this prophet, this guy for God who was named Hananiah. And here's what Hananiah was telling the people of Israel. He says, I know that this guy named Jeremiah sends me 70 years before we get out of this. But I'm here to tell you tonight, you're getting out in two years. I'm here to tell you that breakthroughs are coming. I'm here to tell you that, that now is your time. You know all the things you hear on TV preachers? Hananiah was your typical TV preacher. Come on now. He, I mean, he loved the amens. He loved the people loving him. He said, Jeremiah is wrong. It's going to be two years. And Jeremiah stands up to all of those people. And Hananiah, he says, you're a false prophet. He says, it's going to be 70 years. And some of you actually never get to the 70 years. And that's not what the people wanted to hear. Jeremiah was treated so poorly by them. And the reason they didn't like it was because Jeremiah said, God's promises are a process. It's a lot like layaway. And then you had Hananiah saying, no, 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 no. God's going to give it to you right now. And as much as we like those times that do happen, can I tell you that there are, there are some times in life when God just delivers on demand and it's beautiful and it's awesome. But for many of us, it's a process of waiting just like the Israelites. And I want to encourage you in that. Because what happens is if, if you miss this, here's what happens. We make bad judgment calls when we think God's being passive about his promises. We make really bad judgment calls. Like for me, I made a very bad judgment call at Texas Day Brazil. I'll never forget that date. Can I tell you something? I have never made that mistake ever again. Ever again. That was a bad judgment. I mean, some of y'all, as I was saying it, you're like, yeah, dude, rookie mistake. Like, that's a, that's, a, that's a junior varsity mistake there, right? But we do the same thing. Well, see, when you think God's being passive, you tend to say, okay, Jesus, I know you, I've asked you to take the wheel, but just for a second, let me just get back in the driver's seat. Things aren't going as fast as I'd like, and, I, and I'll just take over for a few. And you, you can jump right back. That's what we do in our prayers, right? It's like, God, please answer it this way. Please do it this way. And we kind of lay out how we want things, how we want God to do it. Because we kind of think God's being too slow with things, that he's being passive. But God is patient. The first man that Abraham, I mean, that Matthew mentioned was Abraham. From Abraham to David, then David to Babylon exile. Abraham was the father of our faith. Some of you sang Father Abraham growing up in Sunday school, Right. He was the first one ever to say, I will follow a monotheistic religion. I will follow a one true living God. His whole family worshiped other gods. And God told him, he says, if you will go to where I tell you to go and do what I tell you to do, then I will bless you. Your descendants will be like the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. And I will bless you. And those who bless you will be blessed. And those who curse will be cursed. I've got a land for you. I'm going to do amazing things through you. All these promises to Abraham. Now, to have descendants, you've got to have your first child, right? And Abraham and his wife, Sarah, wanted to have a child. But guess what? They couldn't have one. Don't know why. It just wasn't the right time. Couldn't have one. And so Abraham got 90 years old. And can I tell you, at that point, at 90 years old, the doctors don't even have things that can probably help you at 90 years old. I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, let's just be real, right? 
He's getting old. He's looking at his, his life saying, hey, look, I've only got a few more years left. So he decides, because culture allowed this way before God had a law that he set, that he could actually use the handmaiden Hagar. And she so says, I'll ha- listen, I'll have a child with Hagar, and that'll do God's promise, because God's taking way too long for this. We've got to get this thing done quick. And he does. He's a child named Ishmael. He became the father of the Ishmaelites. And lo and behold, several years later, in God's time, because God's patient, not passive, he has a child with Sarah named Isaac, the child of promise. Here's what's important about that. Do you know that the, the Ishmaelites and the Israelites have been fighting, and there's been so many wars and bloodshed. Until this day, they still fight. It's the Muslims and the Jews still fight to this day. And it all started because one man made a bad judgment call because he thought God was just taking too long where he could have avoided a lot of that. And I want to encourage you this afternoon that, that when you think God's being too slow with it, you be encouraged. Think about the birth of Christ, how at exactly the right time, exactly the right place, God had it all planned out. Now, the antithesis to Abraham is a man named Simeon. As I was studying the the Christmas, you know, uh, account and the story of Jesus and his birth, this man named Simeon was a guy who was waiting for Messiah. He was a faithful Israelite. He would go to the Jewish temple all the time and serve. And he was waiting faithfully. And he felt the Lord tell him that you will see Messiah before you die. Now, you got to realize something. Israel had not had anything from God in 400 years. 400 years. Like, you, you think waiting for your packages take a long time, right, as you've ordered? 400 years. From Malachi to Matthew, there's silence. There's not one prophet that gets raised up. There's nothing that happens, and Israel's under Rome's rule. And this man named Simeon is still going to the temple every day faithfully. Simeon was serving God faithfully while he waited And he got to see Jesus when they brought him to the temple to be circumcised. And he was so overjoyed. He was serving, and God found him in faith while he served. I want that to be our story. Don't don't be like Abraham so much with that one mistake he had. Be like Simeon, where when God finally shows up, you're like, man, I, I, I was waiting. I just knew it. Every day I got up expecting my heavenly Father to answer, to show up, because I know he's always working. And so I want you to to take this down, and I want you to live this out. And here's the action step. Be faithful while you wait in faith. Be faithful while you wait in faith. What are you waiting on? Be faithful while you wait in faith. We say all the time, trust God, but but, but can I flip it? Can God trust you? God's trustworthy, but can we be trustworthy? Simeon was found faithful while he was waiting in faith. And if you're going to see God's promises come to pass in your life, and there's some things you've seen in Scripture, there's probably some things that, that man, you're waiting on. I don't know if it's a job. I don't know what it is for you, but there is something. God has you here for a reason. And I believe the key to it is be faithful. Let Him find you faithful while you're waiting in faith. Remember I mentioned that guy, Abraham? Let me encourage you because he wasn't perfect. If you think being faithful is being perfect, that's wrong. As a matter of fact, faithfulness is pretty much the end of it is you just don't give up. 
right? It's like a bulldog with a bone. You just will not quit. You will not let it go no matter what. And, and that's what Abraham did. I gave, I gave him a hard time with the whole Hagar thing. Yeah, it was a bad mess up, right? But the end of Abraham's story, I want you to see what's said about him in Hebrews. It says this in Hebrews 6. It says, our, he says, our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life exists in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not be spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, watch this, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. Don't forget those two words, faith and what? Endurance. That's what faithfulness is. It's faith matched with endurance. It's not perfection. For example, look, he says there was a promise to Abraham, and since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath by his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you, and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. Did Abraham mess up? Yes, with Hagar. That's good. Some of y'all were listening. But being faithful is having faith and endurance. It's just not quitting. It's having some bad days. It's having some days you're mad at God. Some days you're angry that things didn't turn out like you thought they would. Some days you don't understand things. But at the end of the day, it's faith married to endurance. That's what being faithful is while you wait in faith. And so how do we do that? And there, there are three quick things this afternoon I want to share with you. Is this. How do you... Stay faithful while you're waiting in faith. Have a God motive for the promise. Now, in our Americanized culture, we have a lot of selfish motives for promises, right? We want that promotion because we get extra money. Nothing wrong with that. But that's kind of like, oh, that's, that's our, whole, our whole goal for that, right? I, I think sometimes our prayers aren't answered because we have the wrong motives for them. That maybe it's just selfish ambition. Maybe there's not like a God motive for it. Maybe it's not like a gospel reason for it, Right? Like, like a God-centered reason. So check your motives first. I tell my son, and, and he's seven years old, and he know, this is a saying in the Bordeaux household, son, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself, right? Check your motives before you wreck your prayer life. And so you got to check those things to make sure, is what I'm asking for something that God really wants? Or is it something that I just want? The second thing to remain faithful is this. Focus on the promise keeper when you're too focused on the promise. That's what's said about Abraham. Like he, he's focused on God. And don't be so focused on this thing happening, this prayer being answered, that you lose sight of the goodness and faithfulness of God. If God never answers another prayer of mine, he has been so faithful and good to me through Jesus, it's okay with me. He is, listen, he is far better than anything else that I can have. And see, prayer is not like you're pushing a button. Button. Kerry Newhoff said this. He said, prayer is not like a button you push for the butler to show up. But it's a relationship to be pursued. And so focus on the promise keeper. Sometimes when you're too focused on that promise and it's not happening, you're getting anxious and you're getting worried, and you're like, man, why has it not happened yet? Focus on him. And then finally this evening, be obedient in the long term when you don't see it in the short term. Be obedient. That's what faithfulness is. Be obedient in the long term, even though it's not right in front of you. When you look at Simeon, that's what he did. He was obedient for the long term, and he waited. Israel waited 14 generations, 14 generations. 
He says 42 generations there that they were waiting. And that was the abridged version. Friends, I want to encourage you. God is working on your behalf. But you've got to have faith and endurance. What, you, what we celebrate tomorrow is an event. But God's promises are a process. One of my favorite Christian leaders ever was Bill Bright. He led Campus Crusade for Christ. And Bill Bright led more people in his life through his ministry to Jesus than anybody else in history, more than Billy Graham. Phenomenal, phenomenal man, a man of prayer. And when I first gave my life to Christ, he shared the story of how when he had four of his best friends, he said when he first gave his life to Christ, he prayed and his first friend got saved quickly. He was like, man, this is amazing. Woo, this is awesome. It's like two years for the second friend. It took about 15 for his third friend to get saved. And this is him praying every single day, calling them by name. He said it was 40 years later before his last friend, right before he died, gave his life to Jesus. Be faithful while you wait in faith. When you're waiting on something, when things don't go your way, I want you to understand something about God. When you think about Christmas and you think about that baby in the manger, you think about, you think about God is always at work. From Abraham to David to the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. I want to pray for you this afternoon before we do the candlelight ceremony. Father, there are people in here that during this season, they need your assurance. They need your presence, Lord. And so, God, I just pray that you would encourage them, help them to understand that you're always working, Lord, even when there's silence. I pray, Lord, you would give us a heart like Simeon to be faithful and wait in faith, God, for you. That we wouldn't jump the gun and make bad judgment calls and bad decisions, Father, because we don't, because you're not moving fast enough on our timeline. Give us the ability to be patient and wait in faith for what you've called in our lives, Lord. And today, as we pray, church, with every head bowed and every eye closed, and we have this sacred moment before the hustle and bustle of everything. I don't know where you're at, but maybe today you need to give your life to Jesus. Maybe you need to surrender to Christ. For some of you, maybe the first time you've ever done this, that you've never made that decision. Maybe others of you, you just walked away from a bad version of Christianity, a bad version of, you got hurt by it. You saw nothing but rules and regulations, and you were hurt. And maybe you want to come to faith in Christ and come back to faith in Him. No matter where you're at today, if that's you on this Christmas Eve, what better day to give your life to Jesus than Christmas Eve 2021, right where you're sitting, whether you're online or sitting in here physically today with me, I want you to pray this prayer and make this confession of faith. You say, God, I need the Savior. I need Jesus. I give my life to Jesus. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe he rose again on the third day. I believe he is Lord, and he's the only way to heaven. Today I turn from my old life, 
I repent and receive full forgiveness. Thank you, God, for forgiving me of all my sins. And it's in Jesus' beautiful name we pray. Amen. Every week we have people making that decision for Jesus, and they're sitting there as one person saying, man, what did I just do? What did I just do? I know what the Bible says. The Bible says that whenever someone turns to faith in Christ, heaven rejoices. You know what heaven's doing right now? Heaven's having a party right now because somebody made that decision here today. If you will put your hands together and say, you made the best decision of your life. Your spiritual birthday will be Christmas Eve. You will never forget it. What we do every year at Christmas Eve is something which is called Advent. It's the Advent candles. Advent means the coming of Christ, the first coming of Christ, the birth of Jesus, God in flesh, God Emmanuel. And what we do is this, is we light the Advent candles together. Again, the Advent's a one-word celebration of an event, right? But tonight, you're going to think of Advent as a process, aren't you? Not just an event, even though we're celebrating the event. And so what we're going to do is that our ushers will come forward and they're going to light the candles on each end of the row, okay? And here's what you're going to do. This is why this is important. This is symbolic. You're going to light your neighbor's candle. Because, friends, can I tell you, to wait in faith and be faithful like that, it takes each one of us encouraging each other. And symbolically, as you light your neighbor's candle, you're encouraging them, saying, don't you dare give up. Don't you dare quit. God's going to come through for you. If you will... Do that at this time and light the candles. Our team's going to sing.